My name's Joanne Averson, and you are so welcome to Series 3 of my podcast. Enjoy. Hi, it's Joanne Averson here with a new podcast episode for 2023, in which I wanted to give you some very exciting news and some information that cheered me up no end. So the good news is, the exciting news is, that in just over 12 weeks time, I'm due to deliver a new manuscript for a book that's been commissioned, another one. And I'm really excited to share it with you for several reasons. I'll I'll give you three really good ones. Um, But I wanted to tell you a little story behind it first, that um, those of you that know Handspring Publishing, who were the publishers that commissioned me to write Yoga, Fascia, Anatomy and Movement, um, were bought out by Jessica Kingsley and the Singing Dragon publishing label earlier this year. It's a very exciting takeover. And um, it's part of a bigger publishing house. And this year we received, um, as authors or illustrators or translators, we received a letter from the CEO of the holding company, a man called David Shelley. And I want to read you what he wrote because it cheered me up and it made an inordinate difference to me for several reasons. So I'm going to read the a uh, small piece from his email, which he's given me permission to share with you, and um, followed by the three reasons why, or three of the reasons why I'm so excited to be doing this next book. And I quote, As I think it's important to find reasons to be cheerful right now, I thought I'd start with a few pieces of positive information about the overall state of the books market. Firstly, the data to the end of October 2022 shows that print book sales in the UK slightly increased in 22 on 21, which was already a buoyant year for sales. Given the economic challenges in the UK, this is extremely heartening to see. There is a truism that two products are more able to withstand recessions than most, books and chocolate, because both are affordable luxuries that repay investment with great pleasure. For the hours of enjoyment that one gets from books and the depth of their emotional impact, I think they are terrific value for money compared to many other forms of entertainment, gaming, cinema, TV, and this year's robust sales bear this out. It is even better to see because, as has been well documented, there was a boom in reading during lockdowns in 2020 and 2021. The fact that the market has remained strong and a long way up on the pre-COVID sales of 2019 suggests that even after lockdowns had ended, people have kept up the reading habit. Looking back in history, there is a precedent for this. There was a marked and permanent jump up in sales of novels after the Second World War, as it was a habit that many acquired during that time. The hope is that these readers acquired during the COVID era will remain with us in the future. In terms of trends in the market, the other thing to feel hopeful about is the boom in younger readers and inclusivity and so on. And he goes into great detail. So, like I said, I'm super excited about this next year because in in 12 weeks time, I have to deliver 
a book written and illustrated. And yes, of course, it has a lot to do with fascia. And there's three of the reasons that I told you I want to share it with you. One is chocolate. One is accessibility. And one is confirmation. So you might ask, if you don't know me and you haven't read my second edition, what has chocolate got to do with a book about fascia? If that's what my book's about, it it is, of course, certain aspects of it. But nevertheless, fascia is the theme. Well, if you've read the second edition of my first book, you'll know that I expanded on that theme quite a lot because essentially fascia has the properties of a liquid crystal which means it has certain behaviours that liken it more to how we understand chocolate than how we understand cars. Now, what have cars and chocolate got to do with each other? Well, chocolate is a liquid crystal medium. So it actually tells us a great deal about how fascia works. And I know that sounds bonkers, but it happens to be true because they're both liquid crystal mediums. Wow. And cars... Uh, cars are actually a metaphor that we've been using in certain ways for the last 400 years in understanding bodies and biomechanics and function because they have an engine, they have pumps, they have pistons, they have engineering mechanics, they include all sorts of things bolted together in a framework or an axle with gear shafts and brake shoes and accelerators and wheels and so on. But why they're used as a metaphor in a manner of speaking is that they have systems, wiring systems, air cooling, heating, water circulating systems and so on. And in biomechanics, the heart is described as the body's engine. We talk about the nerves and the circulation as the electrical wiring of the water system, as if they're separate, but they've all got to be fitted together. And deep to that idea, and and hear me carefully, is the idea behind that that we are formed out of parts which are somehow seamlessly organised together to make us what we are. So we learn the anatomy of parts and how they come together biomechanically. We stick the word bio in front of mechanical, but then we use metaphors of function as if we were bolted together and organised and that we have... um, a framework, i.e. a skeleton, and that we have to stack the axle on the wheels and the body on the axle and the 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 body shape and colour and design is what makes each one unique, each model unique. And unfortunately, that is a very out-of-date metaphor for several reasons. None of us human beings have a pump. Our systems are not separate from the rest of us. We are not made out of parts that are bolted together and there is nothing, I repeat, nothing about us that is mechanical. So however unpopular it makes me, I really struggle, as some of you know, if you've read my previous work, with the term biomechanical because of what it has us do with considering how we move and considering that we're made up of parts. We begin whole and complete. And as my dear friend and mentor, Yap van der Waal says, we begin as unicellular beings. First, the whole. 
than the parts. So our parts emerge from our wholeness. We start off whole and complete. And we also begin as a substance, a substantial soft matter architecture that is alive, intelligent, naturally self-conscious, living, breathing architecture. And we fabricate, we self-organise our own architecture. And it remembers as, as we go along. More for the future. But the keystone of this is that we're gradually shifting our understanding of the body from hard matter physics to recognising we're made of soft matter. And that's great, big, huge. And think chocolate over engines. You'll get much further. I know it sounds bonkers, but I'm going to explain it in, in the book. Wish me luck. So the second reason I'm so thrilled is accessibility. Because one of the key things about fascia is exploring its exquisite relationship with time. And it's the soft tissue that stores our issues in its folds, which is something I explored in Yoga, Fascia, Anatomy and Movement. And I will bring into this new book because it's so crucial to understanding how you move and why you do the things that you do, because you are unique. Each one of you is unique. And yet, paradoxically, that makes us all the same. So. On our journey to changing the metaphor from mechanics and cars to something more like mycelium in the forest and cocoa beans, we have to find ways to explain all that in a language that makes sense to us, to our clients and our colleagues, and it has to be accessible. Now, Yoga, Fascia, Anatomy and Movement is a semi-academic book. It's categorised as such. And it takes quite a lot of focus. And I've had a lot of feedback about it and mostly very generous. And I appreciate it. But one of the things that a lot of people have said is it's quite dense and it takes quite a lot of time to wade through certain parts of it. And I just wanted to make it much more accessible. So that was the invitation from Handspring. So I'm hoping It'll be lots of fun to share and use for you and your clients. And it's full of um, zany illustrations. So hopefully you'll find it super accessible. And the third thing was confirmation. What do I mean by that? Everyone has a fascial matrix and everyone senses it working. We sense ourselves working the way we do. And everyone these days has a smartphone or a computer or some understanding of words like networks and screens and bandwidths and interfaces and applications. Now, all of that is the language of technology. Now, just as our forefathers used the Industrial Revolution as the language of their time to describe the earliest anatomy and human movement and the philosophies that formed the foundation of what's called modern science. 
So we are in a technological revolution. And that's where we find our language. You know, I'll give you an example. Googling was something to do with an adjective that referred to eyes popping out. There was a poem that my mother uh, used to share about a spider that was in her tea making googly eyes at me that she learned as a child. So, I mean, we're talking about 80 years ago, you know, last century. And to Google was not a verb back then. And yet it's become one in our language. And every online dictionary gives it the general meaning to search the internet. Well, 100 years ago, there wasn't an internet. And like every word we use, actually, the word Google has a fascinating history. But suffice to say here that we're now very used to finding out a great deal of information, a great deal of information at the touch of a button or a screen icon. Now, your body actually works much more like that than it does a mechanically organised man-made machine that's assembled from its parts. I'll say that again. Your body works more like a touchscreen interface giving you information and giving you options than it works like a car that is a man-made machine built from parts. Think about it. No mother ever took an embryo to have limbs bolted on or features attached. They just never did that. And yet we accept that as the metaphor of how we are assembled, like an assembly line, but we're not, because that's not what happened. You actually wove yourself together. And by the end of two months after conception, you were no bigger than a walnut inside its shell, but you were whole and complete. It's a tiny, 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 immature version of you ready to grow into a, a newborn. I mean, I think that's just incredible. It's so fascinating. We can't get our heads around it. And that's what's so exciting about the fact that includes all aspects of us. It doesn't, it's not just inclusive because it's true of all of us. That makes it inclusive. It's true because it includes all aspects of each one of us as well as all of us as a collective humanity. I love that. Now, mechanics provides the language of how parts are assembled by a separate coordinator. But that's not how embryology works. And in my experience, having taught all over the world and come across thousands of people through Zoom and online and through feedback on my book and just the people I've met at conferences, when we discover this, when we anchor this into our awareness and we realise that our awareness is not just an invisible force, it's part of our physiology, not just our nervous system. Don't get hung up on that. Don't say to me, oh, yes, Joe. well, we all know we've got a nervous system. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a much more subtle, instinctive, intuitive awareness that is actually part of our physiology. We're not separate. The being and the body are not separate. And somehow knowing that confirms people's sense of themselves. And it's deeply reassuring, deeply reassuring 
So it's not just that fascia is the largest sensory organ of the body and it responds to far more than our forefathers considered was even part of the story of human function and movement. This information wasn't available to them. They mostly removed the fascia from their anatomy studies to get to the important bits that they then described like car parts. And even today, fascia gets scant consideration in established anatomy books. Yes, it's referred to as scaffolding or connective tissue support, but it's so much more than that. It is so much more than that. And the truth is most of those books and curriculums haven't changed much in 400 years. In fact, your smartphone has progressed more in the last four months than the understanding of fascia has in the last four years. Seriously. So it's changing slowly. It is changing. I mean, it's changed in 400 years. It's, it's gradually, um, what's the word, accelerating, to use a mechanical metaphor, but anyhow. But what hallmarks the sea change or the paradigm shift that actually it describes is the remarkable sense of recognition and confirmation that comes with it. Now, recognition is really important word because it bridges the old way with the new way. A cog is a wheel. And in, in ancient, well, it's not really ancient, but 400 years ago, the cogs, cog wheels of a clock were given a great deal of importance in understanding anatomy and movement function. I go into this in some depth in yoga, fascia, anatomy and movement. So recognition was the was the the seeing again of how something happens is understanding how it works again is recognizing it. That's not learning it like new, that's recognizing it because it's already there. And that word recognition is a way of lifting us out of this very mechanical idea of function into this subtle state of awareness. When we recognize something, we bring it back together again and we see it again as whole. And that is very reassuring. There's a deep confirmation that comes with it and it gives people confidence. And that's one of the keystones in everything that I I teach and learn is I'm always, I'm looking for recognition. I'm looking for confirmation. I'm looking to falsify things so that I can say they don't work and what does. But when I see light bulbs go on in other people's eyes and I see people recognize themselves and their intuition and their instinct, it's like watching them reorganize their sense of themselves back into wholeness. Now, we can talk about all sorts of different research and information in my other podcast episodes and other series. And all I really want to say here is that with this next book, I intend to demystify some of the story of this incredibly intelligent architecture that we all have. And in one way, it's completely inclusive because it makes us all the same. But as I said before, what actually makes us all the same is that every single one of us is unique. 
And as a spiritual scientist, I can tell you that all wisdom schools and mystery schools out there, whatever the essence of their ways, they refer to the sacred nature of nature and the ancient teaching that the one and the all are the same. And it somehow reunites us with ourselves and a deep, deep knowing within that we are part of a collective just as we are a collective. I love knowing that. I love thinking in that way because it gives us a really beautiful context to understand each other and ourselves so much better and make more impact for ourselves and for others. And that's how I'm going to complete this because I'm so pleased that we turn to books and chocolate in times of trouble. Magical worlds within worlds. I wonder what it is we recognise. Stay safe. Stay well. Take care. God bless.